I'm beginning this book on All Saints' Day in Paris, six months after Brice's death. This morning I went with Brice's brother and his brother's lover to the Père Lachaise Cemetery to leave some flowers before the white marble plaque that marks the niche where Brice's ashes are stored in an urn. At first there wasn't a receptacle for the flowers and we'd just leave them on the cold floor where they'd quickly wilt. But then someone, the Spanish woman who cleaned for us once a week perhaps, attached a little brass vase to the plaque, and that's where we put the flowers now. Today I left yellow freesias. Someone had scotch-taped the photo of a young man to Brice's plaque, and I wondered if it was a secret admirer who'd left his own portrait. Retrospectively, I was jealous. Maybe it was a photo of one of the other dead young men that had been taped to our plaque by mistake. The ashes are in the columbarium, a fancy word for dovecote. We wanted to be buried together, but since technically I'm not a Parisian, there was no way I could buy a plot or a niche at Père Lachaise, which is reserved for citizens of the capital. Brice thought of everything in his methodical way. He bought the niche for his urn, but in my name. Now legally I can't be refused entrance when I die. I've never liked to feel things in the appropriate way at the right moment. I know that Brice's brother is slightly puzzled that I don't visit the long subterranean corridors of the columbarium more often. Even today I was dry-eyed, bored, more curious about the new plaques than anguished about Brice's. The day Brice was interred, there were only four other niches occupied along this whole wall. Now it's filling up quickly. At least two hundred newcomers have arrived in the last six months. Some are Vietnamese, and their inscriptions are in both French and in Chinese characters. A few are young men in their twenties. I imagine they died of AIDS, too. There are Jews and Protestants as well as Catholics, Poles and Italians as well as French. There's even an American writer shelved just above Brice. He's had inscribed the words, Writer, Ecrivain, just below his name. It's not that Brice's brother Laurent doubts my grief. He saw me six months ago sitting on the curb just outside the funeral home, sobbing. We'd just made all the arrangements for the cremation, and now I was crying like a Sicilian widow. I'd been afraid I wouldn't feel anything when Brice finally died, but my body did all the feeling for me. It took over. My knees buckled. I lost my balance. Tears spurted from my eyes. I staggered in the sunlight and nearly fell and had to be held up by Laurent and his lover. Everything I'd lived through in the last five years had changed me, whitened my hair, made me a fat, sleepy old man, matured me, finally, but also emptied me out. I met Brice five years before he died, but I wonder whether I'll have the courage to tell his story in this book. The French call a love affair a story— une histoire, and I see getting to it, putting it down, exploring it, narrating it as a challenge I may well fail. If I do fail, don't blame me. Understand that even writers, those professional exhibitionists, have their moments of reticence. Strange that I should be living here in Paris. Ever since I'd been a child, an imaginary Paris had been the bright planet pulsing at the heart of my mental star map— 
but the one time I'd gone to Paris, I had been dressed in a horrible shiny blazer, and everyone in the cafes had laughed at me. I said to a French acquaintance as we left the floor, I know I'm being paranoid, but he said matter-of-factly, No, they are laughing at you. A sign in the tailor shop window off the Boulevard Saint-Germain warned that customers would not be allowed more than three fittings after the purchase of a suit, and my mind winced at this proof of shameless male vanity so exotic to an American, since Americans equated male vanity with effeminacy or mafia creepiness.